It's time to unmute menopause. Hello, and welcome back to Menopause Unmuted, a podcast series sponsored by Pfizer. Menopause is a major transition in life. Some of those changes can be a challenge, but with a little knowledge and good communication, many of them can be positive. I'm your host, Mary Jane Minkin. I'm an obstetrician-gynecologist and clinical professor at Yale University School of Medicine. This is a collection of bonus episodes designed to dive a little deeper into some of the issues raised by the women in this podcast and so many of my own patients. I'm talking with experts to learn how lifestyle changes like nutrition, strength training, and taking care of our mental health can assist the menopause journey and set us on a positive path for midlife. And today, we're exploring a subject that some women and their partners find difficult to discuss sex. But talking well about sex and intimacy can positively impact our physical and emotional well-being, whether you're single, in a long-term relationship, or returning to dating. So to help us talk well about sex, I'm delighted to welcome my expert guest today, Dr. Lori Mintz. Thank you so much for joining us, Lori. Hi, I'm so glad to be here. Lori, please, could you tell listeners a little bit about yourself and your work? I would be delighted to. I am a professor at the University of Florida where I have the honor of teaching the psychology of human sexuality to hundreds of students a year. I'm also a licensed psychologist and a certified sex therapist seeing individuals and couples for general and sexual issues. And I'm the author of two books, both aimed at empowering women sexually, A Tired Woman's Guide to Passionate Sex, and Becoming Cliterate, Why Orgasm Equality Matters and How to Get It. Thank you, Lori. Now, we're going to get into the details very soon, but Lori, could you give listeners an overview of some of the most common issues that women have when it comes to sex and menopause? Absolutely. First, I want to say that many of those issues, they're due to decreased estrogen, which causes vaginal dryness, mood shifts, lack of sleep, and all those things can interfere with arousal. They can interfere with desire, orgasm, etc. And so it's really important if you're experiencing those symptoms to see your healthcare provider. However, what's really important is that it's not all bad. First of all, not all menopausal or perimenopausal women experience sexual issues. Many do, many don't. Also, we know that for many menopausal women, sex gets better. And the people who were having magnificent sex said it often started at around age 50 when they were more comfortable with their own bodies or they were not fearing pregnancy They were more communicative and comfortable. And so it's important to know that menopause doesn't need to be a negative. It can actually enhance one's sex life if you're handling it appropriately, both in terms of seeing your provider and also communicating with your partner. 
Lori, thank you very much for talking about the pregnancy issue, because that's really important to a lot of women. However, we do need to remind people, of course, that until you've gone that magic year without the menstrual period, you still have to worry about getting pregnant. So do practice some form of contraception. And of course, sexually transmitted infections are ever present. So if you're with a new partner, we always want to make sure you're using condoms because we want to protect you against getting an infection. And again, I'd like to emphasize the same point that Lori is. Menopause does not have to mean the end of your sexuality. And again, a lot of women will find that sexual dysfunction is at its worst during the perimenopausal period. So even if you're having a hard time right now during perimenopause, things are likely to settle and improve. And I would like to add one special word for a special group of women, and those are the women who have experienced a surgical menopause. That is, they've had their ovaries taken out, oftentimes at the time of a hysterectomy. And what that means is the hormonal changes can be quite sudden. And women, of course, think about the hot flashes occurring, which is the thing they'll notice almost immediately, but they also need to be aware of the vaginal dryness, which can also occur suddenly. So we want you to speak to your gynecologist about ways to help the hot flashes and also vaginal dryness. Lori, I've spent many years talking with my patients about sex at midlife, and I'd like to break our conversation today into the three issues that I think are the building blocks to help women enjoy sex during menopause, desire, comfort, and communication. Those are three essentials, yes. Could we start with desire? What is it, and how does it figure? Absolutely. And this, I think, is sometimes the most important point for perimenopausal and menopausal women to hear. And that is when we think of desire, we think of the way that it's shown in the movies and talked about in our culture. And that is what we call spontaneous desire, or in layperson's language, it's feeling horny, which is actually the beginning of physiological arousal, tingling in the genitals, etc. And a lot of perimenopausal and menopausal women say, I've lost my desire. And by that, they mean their spontaneous desire, their feeling of being horny. But there is a different type of desire, and it's called responsive or receptive desire, which is I am receptive to the idea of sex for reasons other than feeling horny. And I will be responsive to that sex when it gets going. So, for example, there was a study that asked people, why do you have sex? And they listed 237 reasons. And only one of those was being horny. There's many other reasons to have sex. Like, I want to be closer with my partner. I want to feel relaxed. I want to sleep better. So responsive desire is having sex because you're open to the idea. And then it's good when it gets going. When I talk to my patients about this, I talk to them about reversing the equation. Don't wait to be horny to have sex. Have sex to get horny and allow the touch itself to bring on desire. And that is so important. A lot of women are doing that. And they, if then I say, good for you, you're using an actual sex therapy technique. But so many times women say, it's do they call it duty sex and i tell them no if it's fun if it's good when it gets going it's not duty sex and there's some ways to help make it fun when it gets going including communication with your partner mindfulness and not being so focused on the goal of orgasm or penetration 
And Lori, a very interesting point you bring up. Can you comment on the differences between what I know some psychologists refer to as staircase or orgasm-focused sexual activity to circular sexual activity, which is more pleasure-focused? Can you comment on those? Absolutely. And that's really important to making, using your responsive desire and having it be fun is so many times in our culture, when we talk about heterosexual sex, we have this way it proceeds, right? Foreplay, just to get her ready for intercourse. Intercourse, which we consider this main event, um, even though most women don't orgasm that way. And then sex over. And it's a very linear staircase model. You go from this to this to this, to you get to the top of the staircase, which is often male orgasm during penetration. And what we know as sex therapists is that better sex, and this is especially true in perimenopause and many menopause, is that the best sex is not goal-focused. You're not focused on the goal of penetration. You're not focused on the goal of orgasm. You're working together as a circle and in terms of mutual pleasure, and you can go from one activity to the other to the other and back and forth and all around without being focused on the goal of penetration or orgasm. And I also think it's helpful to be aware of some mindfulness techniques. Staying in the moment can be difficult and that the circular model is more accommodating of that. Absolutely. And the mindfulness is essential to sexual pleasure and satisfaction. What is mindfulness, right? For those people who don't know, I like to define it as putting your mind and body in the same place. So many times in our life, we're doing one thing with our body and our mind is somewhere else. And that includes during a sexual encounter. Now, no one is ever there 100% even during sex. But it's really important to notice when your mind wanders and to be able to bring it back to your body, maybe by using your breath, meditation practice outside. And we know that yoga helps with orgasm function. And I believe that's because of the mindfulness and body focus that it teaches. And Lori, can you talk more a little bit about the orgasm gap that you've talked about? Absolutely. The orgasm gap is the consistent finding in the scientific literature that when women and men have a sexual encounter, the men are having way more orgasms than the women. So for example, in one study, 39% of women versus 91% of men said they usually or always orgasm during a sexual encounter. Now, that study didn't ask the context of the sex, but subsequent studies tell us that it's biggest during hookup sex or first-time encounters. It gets smaller over time, but it never closes altogether. Even in relationship sex, long-term relationships, women are having fewer orgasms than men are. And now many people will say, oh, that's because women's bodies are difficult to orgasm, we're elusive. And that the other research tells us that's not true. We know that women have substantially more orgasms when having a sexual encounter with another woman than with a man. And there's many reasons for that. 
but the staircase model is one of them because in heterosexual sex, we're often focused on that goal of penetration, which is much less likely to bring most women to orgasm, whereas sex with other women is more turn-taking, more circular, and penetration isn't always the main event or often is not the main event. Thank you much on that, Lori. And we'll cover some specific ideas for listeners to explore in just a moment. But first, I'd like to tackle an important physical aspect of being able to enjoy sex, and that is comfort. Many women are dealing with vaginal atrophy during menopause. That's when the vaginal skin becomes thin and fragile due to lack of estrogen, and it can make sex extremely uncomfortable. Yeah, so it's really, that's such an important point that if sex is uncomfortable and painful, which it often is with untreated vaginal atrophy, you're not going to want to do something that's painful. And sexual pain can be due to a lot of things. So, you know, if you're having pain at all, definitely important to see your provider because sex is not supposed to be painful. And research shows that 30% of women had pain at their last instance of penetrative sex, and many didn't even say anything. And they just pushed through it, which I tell my patients never to do. Stop if sex is painful. And there's many reasons sex can be painful. One is if you have penetrative sex before you're aroused enough, it can be painful. Or in perimenopause, in menopause, you might be feeling aroused, but you're not lubricating and your vaginal walls are thin, and then it's painful. And it's very, very important to um, see your provider about that because there's things that can be done in terms of vaginal moisturizers. Most sex therapists and gynecologists will say use lubricant during penetrative sex. But the other thing that's really important, and it's the reason why so many menopausal women and their partners start having better sex is if something is painful while you're being treated by your doctor to hopefully get it to a place where it isn't, stop doing the painful activity. And that painful activity is often penetration. And what we know is when we take penetration off the table, we get back into that circular model, we get more creative. And the fact that the matter is that only 4% of women orgasm reliably from penetration alone. Most need external stimulation. So take that painful activity off the table and many find that they become more and more aroused, more interested in sex because it's more enjoyable, less goal focused. And, you know, it's a myth that that's the only sexual activity that's pleasurable. There are so many others that you and your partner can engage in. Yeah. And just to finish up a couple of comments, you know, to add to what you were saying there, Lori, um, the dryness, of course, can be treated. So do talk with your provider if it's an issue. And it's not one of those things you just have to live with. And unfortunately, it's not going to get better on its own. So that's one area that isn't going to get better over the course of time. It can get worse. And just a couple of quick comments to follow up on lubricants. If you are using a condom, you're going to want to look for a water or silicone-based product as that's more compatible with condoms. You don't want to use an oil-based product there. And again, one of the things that I, I do want to mention is that for heterosexual couples, the man may be facing his own issue and that his erections are perhaps a little less reliable. So there's a really strong case for exploring what works beyond that standard staircase model. 
You're listening to An Intimate Menopause, a bonus episode to accompany season three of Menopause Unmuted. You can listen to all our previous episodes and find more information at menopauseunmuted.com. I'm your host, Mary Jane Minkin, and today I'm joined by sex therapist and psychologist, Dr. Lori Mintz, to talk about sex in menopause. Lori, I'd like now to move on to communication because in many ways, it's what sex is all about. Let's imagine a listener who wants to enjoy sex during menopause. Where should she start? Well, the first place she should start is with herself. That is, spend time with yourself, pleasure yourself, masturbate. In fact, in sex therapy for women who want more pleasure is we send women home with instructions to pleasure themselves to masturbate with their hands, with a vibrator, with lubricants. It's also a great time to practice mindfulness, mindful self-pleasure. And then once you know what you need and like to experience orgasm, what your body needs, then the most essential step is to transfer that to partner sex. It's underutilized but essential advice for women that the most reliable route to having an orgasm is getting the same type of stimulation with a partner as you do alone. And so many times we don't do that. We know how to stimulate ourselves, for example, externally alone. And then when with a partner, we kind of forget that and focus on penetration. So start with yourself, learn what you like and then transfer that to partner sex. Lori, any suggestions on how women can communicate that to their partners? Absolutely. And that's essential because, as I'm fond of saying, communication is the bedrock to make your bed rock. And without good communication, you're not going to be able to make that transfer. So how do you do it? There's many, many ways, but I suggest starting with what I call a kitchen table sex talk. It doesn't have to be at the kitchen table, but what's essential is that it's not in the bedroom. And using really good communication skills, what are those good communication skills? Metacommunication, which is communicating about communicating. I'll give an example in a minute. Not asking questions that aren't questions like, do you want to have sex or do you want to do this? Instead, using I statements. So you might sit your partner down and say something like, I'd like to talk about our sex life. I'm kind of nervous to do it. I'm fearful you might get defensive. This isn't because I'm complaining. It's because I want us to be the best we can be. And I have discovered that now that I'm menopausal, I need much more specific type of stimulation. And I've been using a vibrator on my own and it works really well. And my I listened to this podcast where I learned that that's really common. And I would like to us to incorporate that vibrator into the bedroom. So again, start with the communication outside of the bedroom and then start communicating in the bedroom during sex. It's a myth that everybody should know what to do and do it just right without speaking. You can actually use your words during sex, like, please touch me here. Let's change to this position. I'd like to get my vibrator out now really essential. And we do know couples who communicate about sex have much, much better sex. 
Excellent points, Lori. And you know, along those lines, I don't know if you think this is a good idea, but one of the things I've done for many years is uh, know certain websites that have things like sex toys on them and they're medically sound, I think. And I suggest to my patients that they go to the website and review the website with their partner and that they pick out together things that might be interesting to them. And what I find is that by me talking about a particular website for vibrators or whatever is that patients know I'm saying these are okay to do. Do you tell that to your patients too? Absolutely. And I particularly talk to my patients and their partners about the importance of vibrators. We know that women who use them have easier and more frequent orgasms. A man's acceptance of a partner's vibrator use is highly correlated with her sexual satisfaction. And this is essentially important in menopause and perimenopause. Well, thanks for that explanation too. And one of the other medical issues actually is the use of vibrators, and there is some literature on this, actually helps increase pelvic blood flow. And what that's good for is increasing moisture. So it's another modality to get women more comfortable. Wonderful, yes. A couple of other questions. I know some people talk about scheduling sex. What's your advice to your patients on that? Absolutely do it. And I like to use the word tryst instead. What is a tryst? A tryst is a planned meeting between lovers. And that's what you're talking about. And why does this work so well? First of all, it's if you remember that idea of responsive desire, of having sex to get horny rather than waiting to be horny to have sex. If you schedule it, you can get your body, your mind in the mood. You can save energy for it. So it really works well with that model. Additionally, what we have to do is understand that spontaneous sex is a myth. That is, think about it, I'll tell my patients. When you were young and dating and you would go out on a date, you would take a shower, you'd get dressed up, you'd put on perfume and... (gasps) The night ended in sex. That's not spontaneous. That was well orchestrated. And the bottom line is we go with this myth of being spontaneous. And by menopause, perimenopause, most of us are extremely busy with many multiple demands and nothing happens without scheduling it. And the same is true of sex. So schedule your sex. Talk to your partner, that communication. What's our ideal frequency? and schedule those trysts. Allow yourself to take the time to prepare yourself and to receive pleasurable stimulation in a mindful way. Excellent advice. And I know one other area that you've spoken about is a message that you give to patients about, am I normal? You know, women saying, am I normal? (laughs) Can you talk about that a bit? Yes. So many sexual concerns are around, am I normal? Is it normal to not orgasm during penetration? Yes. Is it normal to have my mind wander during sex? Yes. All of these things, does my vulva look normal? All of these things that so many of us worry about, we are completely fine. We are normal, beautiful. I don't even like the word normal. We are normative. We are beautiful the way we are. And everybody needs something a little bit different. So instead of worrying about if you're normal compared to someone else, tune inward and ask yourself, what do I like? What do I need 
in general and especially during perimenopause and menopause. So let's let go of this anxiety about being normal and let's just embrace ourselves the way that we are. Excellent advice. And I know the other excellent advice that you've talked about with your uh, patients is that women who enjoy sex have a better quality of life. Can you comment on that too? Yes. I mean, sexual health and wellness is a part of general health and wellness. And again, we have research here showing that couples and women who are more satisfied in their sex life are more satisfied in terms of life in general. And we also have some anecdotal evidence. I have a lot from my patients that becoming empowered in the bedroom, being able to say to your partner, I need more stimulation or I want more lubrication or I want to use a vibrator. Becoming empowered in the bedroom can help you feel empowered in other areas of your life. Sex is not something that's just separate from the rest of our lives. It's a really essential, important part of our lives, and that is through our whole lives. Lori, fabulously put, thank you very much. And I'd like to thank Dr. Lori Mintz for joining me on this bonus episode of Menopause Unmuted because it is such an important conversation. Thank you for having me. It's been an honor and a pleasure. And thanks to you all for listening to An Intimate Menopause, a bonus episode that's part of Menopause Unmuted. I'll be back for our final bonus episode, which is all about emotional well-being. And do check out our previous episodes on nutrition and strength training during menopause. And I hope they help inspire you to learn more during your menopause journey. There's more information in our show notes at menopauseunmuted.com. And if you have any questions about your own menopause, talk to your healthcare provider. That might be your OBGYN, primary care provider, nurse practitioner, or midwife. There are even designated menopause practitioners that a woman can visit if she needs more information. Special thanks to the Women's Health Team at Pfizer and to Studio Health for producing this series. Talk soon. This podcast is provided for educational purposes only and is not intended to replace discussions with a healthcare provider. Please speak with your healthcare provider regarding any health questions. The opinions expressed in this podcast are the opinions of the individuals recorded and not necessarily opinions endorsed by Pfizer. The healthcare practitioners appearing in this episode of Menopause Unmuted have been compensated by Pfizer. This podcast is only intended for residents of the United States. This podcast is powered by Pfizer. Pfizer. 